Welcome to today's edition of the Paul List Comics and Culture Podcast. Every day I pick a comic and then I provide some analysis, discussion, and critical engagement. I'm Tu Ply on Twitter at T-W-O-P-L-A-I. My perspective is as a cultural critic, academic, and a teacher and preacher. So I try to be analytical since sometimes I get philosophical, sometimes I get a little spiritual. Well, since I do analysis of a comic's work each day for about 20 minutes, I do get into the details. So I always suggest that you read the work first, whether you buy it from your local retailer or digitally. Yes, that's a lightweight spoiler warning. All right, let's dig deep. It's Friday, July 8th, uh, 2016. Friday is the day of our Friday find. As I mentioned in yesterday's um, podcast, um, I I changed the order a little bit. Um, It's still a Friday find, although the book that I'm talking about today was originally going to be a Throwback Thursday book. Uh, That book is Nat Turner by Kyle Baker. Um, The reason I changed the order is because um, of things that are going on uh, in these days. And when I made that decision... It was before um, much of what has precipitated. Um, I think that's important to note. Um, At the time that I decided to talk about it, um, it was just after Alton Sterling and um, and uh, his his killing by police captured on video. Um, Within 24 hours, Philando Castile um, was shot and killed um, by a police officer, and his his girlfriend uh, filmed the incident and live streamed it on Facebook. Um, Since then, of course, there have been uh, protests across the country, um, a furtherance of the Black Lives Matter movement, and uh, and then last night, uh, shootings of police officers in Dallas, five killed. Um, This uh, is not um, where I'm going to go into detail about my feelings. Uh, I certainly don't mean to do any politicking on this podcast um, as I said uh, this is about comics analysis but I think there are times when comics um, are I don't know if it's even the right thing to say important um, in some sense to how we as a culture and and society that's the wrong way to say it as cultures and societies uh, deal with uh, the things that are going on in our world um, and so I, th- I felt like it was necessary then. I still feel like it's it's uh, viable now for me to to have this analysis that I'm going to do. Although it it all has become more fraught. And so from the outset, I want to say Black Lives Matter. Uh, from the outset, I want to say I am a Chinese American uh, man. In fact, when um, when the girlfriend of um, of Philandro Castile, who is um, going through and been through quite a lot in the last uh, few days. Um, her name is a uh, um, Diamond. Uh, I don't have it. I don't remember her last name. It's not sort of right in front of me, and I apologize for that. Um, when she, uh, in the video, identified the, the police officer that, that shot Philando Castile, uh, she said that he was a Chinese man, about five foot six, heavy set, which is uh, me. Uh, and so... I hear that, and I it it brings to bear for me um, the fact that as somebody who works in schools every day and has served food to children there, um, Philando Castile is me. Um, as somebody who has a four-year-old, five-year-old daughter in his back seat when when this you know 
a horrific tragedy occurs, Philando Castile is me. Um, and at the same time, as he is shot by a man who looks like me, who um, uh, so panicked, I think, about what he had done that he failed to attend to his basic responsibility to take care of and to serve and protect. That also is me. Um, and that identification, I don't mean in a cheap way um, or a way of um, co-opting for myself. Um, the experiences of people who I, I, I have not walked in their shoes and I could not know. And I'm not just talking about the individuals. I'm talking about the lives of black men and women and children who wake up um, every day uh, without the ability to be sure that, that they are safe uh, from those who are sworn to protect and serve them. Um, purportedly to to take care of them uh, on the contrary it's well it's another day for um, for black folks in America um, I don't know that experience um, but I think that there's also a common humanity that we have to continually uh, attend to and I think that's what I want to do here in um, in talking about Nat Turner by Kyle Baker um, but there's a certain way of attending to it. There are different ways of attending to it, and I think there are ones that are right and necessary and appropriate for times and places, and others that are right and necessary and appropriate um, at other times and places. Um, I am thankful for the Black Lives Matter movement, and um, uh, people that are near and dear to me were out there last night. Um, I'm, here, I'm here by Oakland into the night as I'm um, scrolling and refreshing the news to keep up with what's going on in Dallas, I can hear sirens outside of my house um, uh, near Oakland here, the freeway that I'm on every day for hours, shut down by protesters, um, you know, f uh, protests that, that my friends are uh, are at. Um, I don't know if they were out there on the freeway shutting it down, but they were definitely out in the city shutting it down. Um, I, meanwhile, uh, can't be out there because I'm taking care of my mom. And um, it's, uh, I think it's part of the, the way that we confront times like these, the way that we confront uh, um, deep-seated social issues like these, that um, we become more sensitive and more aware of, of those around us. That's maybe one of the gifts of these tragedies that we shouldn't um, overlook. That sensitivity, sometimes we want to translate into words. And my Twitter feed and my Facebook, um, you know, are is just filled with people expressing and trying to express, trying to capture into words their feelings at seeing the kinds of images that are, um, uh, are on one hand, our responsibility to bear witness to, um, to take to heart um, the video and images that have um, been transformative um, of our society and of our of our discourse, uh, depicting things that have gone on um, and and do go on every day, but that we have turned our our eyes from. Um, now we can no longer. And at the same time, there are those who cannot bear to to see, um, you know, uh, including our African American uh, dear brothers and sisters, and 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 those who aren't. Um, 
they can't bear to see because of how painful it is. And, and I watched the Alton Sterling video, um, felt it was a sacred responsibility, um, and also just needed to see it. Uh, and also very hard not to, um, uh, and, but I, I couldn't watch the complete, um, Philando Castile video because once it became obvious that there was a daughter, uh, my age sitting in the back seat, um, witnessing all of this, I just, um, I, I had to shut it down. I had to shut it off, um, for myself emotionally, um, knowing that I would want to come back to it one day. Um, this is about all of us and it touches all of us. Um, Sandra Bland, Eric Gardner, Tamir Rice, Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, Oscar Grant, who, um, whose killing by BART police officer was depicted in the movie, um, Fruitvale Station by Ryan Coogler, um, who's going to do the Black Panther movie, and I'm really interested in what he's going to do with that. He also uh, filmed Creed, of course. He, uh, that that um, all took place and was filmed in the very same BART stations and stops and um, on the streets. Um, Hayward, where Oscar Grant lived, um, Oakland, that, that you know my family and I live in and walk in every day. Um, but you don't have to be that geographically near today for these images to land um, images of not only the violence but but um, the aftermath um, things that we are seeing now in the news things that we are um, uh, seeing on Twitter Twitter feeds and that are then taken off by um, just people uh, I think it's been a day a week when when the power of images and how um, temporary or transitory they are, uh, be they from former congressmen or from Donald Trump or, or whatever, um, it all is just speaking so much louder than words. Uh, this is also a week from when Elie Wiesel, the uh, Holocaust survivor, Nobel Prize winner, author of the book Night, um, died. And um, he, uh, uh, there's, a, there's an article on Slate about um, some work about Elie Wiesel that uh, talks about his, the power of silence in his in his work, the importance of silence, um, almost a, a you know a philosophy, a theology, an ontology of science. Um, it's called his profound and paradoxical language of silence, written by John Kelly. He quotes Elie Wiesel um, saying that um, convinced that this period in history would be judged one day. He's talking about the Holocaust. I knew that I must bear witness. I also knew that while I had many things to say, I did not have the words to say them. Painfully aware of my limitations, I watched helplessly as language became an obstacle. It became clear that it would be necessary to invent a new language. But how was one to rehabilitate and transform words betrayed and perverted by the enemy? Um, he's talking about how, um, for people who are oppressed, language very often um, has been controlled, been dominated, and thus perverted um, by those in power. Um, and perverted in that you can't speak because often the words don't exist to describe uh, what you experience. Um, those words have been um, owned and um, dominated by the oppressor. Uh, I'm a, uh, I mentioned I'm an academic. I'm also an English teacher. Um, uh, language and words are my, are my trade. Um, I teach English. I I believe that um, you know, uh, giving access to the power of language, to the transformative power of language, um, is essential to our humanity. 
essential to um, our society, essential to social change and social justice. But I come to Nat Turner by Kyle Baker, um, a book that I read many years ago. Um, uh, Kyle Baker began publishing it, I think, either in 2005 or 2006, um, independently. Of course, he's you know really one of the most prolific and um, well-known comics creators of the last three decades, um, two probably. Yeah, I'm probably wrong on that. <laughs> anyway, had done work for, you know, the big two, Plastic Man and all sorts of things. Um, had this great cartoony style, but uh, a capacity for a visual realism. And um, Nat Turner was independently published because he wanted to own it um, as a story. In fact, that's an important part of how he describes uh, why he did and, and how he did Nat Turner. Nat Turner, of course, for those who don't know, is the story of a slave revolt in the 1830s. Uh, led by Nat Turner, who um, had uh, prophetic visions, um, who was uh, literate, intelligent, uh, a brilliant, bright star, um, and who led a revolt by slaves, um, killed 55 white um, uh, Americans. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I think has been, in many ways, a cipher, a sphinx in American history, um, because the documentary evidence is... Um, not entirely clear uh, whether we were, were whether we're talking about somebody who was a hero um, of slave resistance, uh, whether we're talking about somebody who was a, a villain, uh, whether we're talking about somebody who was um, in in full control of his mental capacity and, uh, in fact, um, saw something uh, profoundly logical uh, in in an illogical and irrational society and system, or whether we're talking about somebody who was um, touched, shall we say. Um, you know, history has drawn Nat Turner in many ways. Um, uh, in, in his introduction, Kyle Baker talks about how Nat Turner <laughs> always shows up in history books, but um, they almost don't know what to say about him. And so that was part of the impetus for this, this book, this graphic novel, is that, um, that Kyle Baker was curious, and he did, he did some, some research, and, uh, and then uh, produced this um, alarming work. Uh, it won a number of awards, rightly so. Came out first independently published individual issues, eventually collected by Abrams. Um, that's the edition I'm looking at from 2008 or 2009, I believe. I think 2009. Um, and the Abrams comic arts episode, uh, sorry, um, edition includes um, the, the, the adding of gray washes or um, sort of a, a, a grayscale sepia toned um, that I think um, adds a lot to it visually, um, but but you have to talk about this book visually, um, especially because Kyle Baker, who is a, a super able cartoonist, who's done you know comics about King David and comics about um, raising kids, <laughs> you know all kinds of things. Uh, so he he knows his way around the medium. Um, very intentional in his decision to make this kind of a wordless comic in many ways. Um, there's a, a ton of words, but actually it's not in the usual speech balloons or captions. Um, there's so much action in this book that you would expect in comics to be accompanied by all sorts of um, words coming from the mouths of the speakers, but in a very, I think, intentional decision, uh, there are none of those. Instead, there's juxtaposed with the images a lot of the text from the Confessions of Nat Turner. Uh, the Confessions of Nat Turner, taken by um, uh, a white... I can't remember if he is a, a jailer or a lawyer or something, um, who uh, before his execution, before Nat Turner's execution, after he was uh, caught, uh, Thomas Gray um, 
documented the, the confessions of Nat Turner. And on one hand, like so many primary source documents from history, that document has what is doubtless the um, very unique and distinctive voice of Turner himself, um, but also it is um, edited, redacted, um, you know, filled with commentary that um, is, is doubtless from Gray. And so parsing that out is something that actually uh, I think Nat um, Kyle Baker has done a, a really remarkable job of, but um, I, I'd point you to a, an essay by Andrew Kunka, who is actually one of the two guys from PhDs over at the Comics Alternative. Um, he has a paper about uh, about this book, about Nat Turner, and about the juxtaposition of um, text and image uh, in in Kyle Baker's Nat Turner. It's called Intertextuality and Historical Graphic Narrative. You can Google search that um, from Andrew Kunka. He um, talks about the ways that text and image work in relation to each other in this book. And um, I think it's a great piece of scholarship that uh, I think um, you don't have to be uh, a scholar to read. Um, but actually reading that next to Nat Turner is um, a, a, a pretty um, enlightening uh, experience. Uh, I think what I want to say about um, Nat Turner is that um, uh, one of the things that Kyle Baker confronts in telling this story is, again, the insufficiency of our documentary evidence. Um, but, but I think much more than that, the, the insufficiency of, of language. In fact, the, the failure of language to, um, to appropriately uh, represent experience uh, to sufficiently represent experience that at times, as Elie Wiesel said, language even betrays experience. And this is a, a kind of paradox because, um, uh, you know, one of the things he notes about Nat Turner in his introduction is that uh, literacy is incredibly important to him. Literacy, which was um, not only withheld from slaves, but, but um, illegal to teach to slaves. Uh, but Nat Turner, um, very, you know, as, a, as an indication of his brilliance, um, you know, acquires literacy himself, utilizes it to um, study the Bible, to conceive of his own, um, you know, uh, uh, call from the Spirit to do what he does. And, um, and you can see this profound intellect uh, at the same time in a system and in a structure where at one point in the um, graphic novel, He's um, caught, so to speak, by um, slave masters reading the Bible. And so he turns it upside down and uh, makes a mock imitation of, of uh, a Sambo figure as a way of, uh, you know, throwing the scent off. Um, it's humorous. Then the uh, slave master leaves and you see the, uh, it's, if it's anger or if it's pain inside of, uh, in Nat Turner's eyes. It's a very profound moment. Um, there are many profound moments in this book. Um, as Baker himself describes it, uh, there's an interview on a website called Pop Image um, conducted by somebody named Ed Matthews. And uh, I'll, I'll actually go read his question and, uh, and Kyle Baker's answer as a way of describing what, what goes on in this book. Um, the, the interviewer asks, the political cartoon has been one of the most feared and respected tools in the political arena, probably for time eternal. Uh, and he goes on, when all is said and done, Will Nat Turner be done in a docudrama format, or will it have that political edge that it logically can have? And Kyle Baker answers, it's a Holocaust book. And then he describes what happens in it. It begins with Turner's mother being 
kidnapped from Africa, being shaved and branded, stuffed in a feces and rat-filled ship's hold, being chained and sold into slavery. Young Nat's father runs away from the plantation when he's a little boy, which is devastating to him. As an adult, Nat's beloved wife and children are sold and taken from him, screaming. Finally, he has an inspiration. Nat organizes an armed slave revolt, and a lot of people get killed in big action scenes. Nat eludes authorities successfully for months, but is finally captured, hanged, and skinned. And somewhere in there will be heads on spikes and slaves being raped by their masters. That's kind of an unflinching summary of what is a visually unflinching book. Um, and then he says, to, as is Baker, to answer your question, I'm not sure if there's room for a political edge. Politics are hard to draw. Babies being thrown to hungry sharks by their own mothers from slave ships is something visual and human not political. Uh, I'm going to do my own reading, and I, I don't mean to put words in Mr. Baker's mouth. Um, I think there's something very profound that he answers this question about whether you have a political edge by just merely, not, uh, merely <laughs> telling what happens. Um, he, in the graphic novel, shows what happens. It's stirring. Um, he is an artistic uh, genius, I think. Um, but I think um, he's not trying to diminish the power of wor voices or words, but he's pointing out the ways that voices, words, and let's kind of take the idea of words and uh, especially words that are controlled by the powerful um, words that have um, the, the air of hegemony, if that's a word that works for you, um, and how uh, inadequate those words are, how those words can... Uh, it will will again and again feel like a twist on the truth will feel like they don't um they don't represent they don't speak they're 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 always uh, betraying you um as i said um and i think that this is something that's been vital to depictions of slavery um depictions of um oppression uh depictions of african american history uh for for uh, all of its existence, um, even up to today's Black Lives Movement. Um, this is not to say that policy is not important. This is not to say that uh, we, language uh, is not powerful. Um, this is not to say that speaking out is not necessary. Uh, don't take, please don't take me the wrong way in saying that. The, the point is that the cultural expression that is necessary is often uh, uh, wordless, has to be. Um, because words are lies. They're part of the structure of a modernity that is structured on lies. And uh, you can take that even further to the ways that words are part of this um, bureaucratic um, you know, system of domination uh, where somehow you know, being documented um, uh, erases or excuses the erasure of your humanity. Um, there's an essay, there's a, an academic essay by a, a scholar from UCLA named Charles Goodwin from a number of years back about the, um, the um, uh, uh, Rodney King beatings and how it was that in a courtroom something that the uh, entire nation and world could see was an act of, um, of brutality somehow becomes explained in a courtroom, you know, with uh, what Goodwin calls a professional vision where um, police can give testimony, not police, but um, quote-unquote experts can give testimony to what is the 
you know, police procedural point of view that um, that indicates that, you know, uh, a man on his knees um, with cuffs on on the ground is being belligerent and therefore needs to be beaten. I think that essay is highly relevant for today. How is it that we see, um, how do we justify our reactions when we see, when we wield power? Um, but to, to kind of shed light a little bit more on, on what it is to have this voice, uh, and, and I'm, I'm talking now about the voice of a graphic novel like Nat Turner, um, I, I, I turn to Paul Gilroy, um, who is a, a British uh, cultural studies scholar, and he has a book called The Black Atlantic. It's from 1993, and it's a really significant work in cultural studies um, and in, in diaspora studies. And he says, he talks about um, what he calls the Black Atlantic, which is that, um, you know, the space that between, uh, of course, the, the triangle of the slave trade. Um, you know, here we have Britain, where he is. Here we have the New World or the United States. And here we have uh, Africa, um, from which slaves are extracted. And, um, and he talks about the legacy of of black music, um, of, you know, jazz and hip hop. And in the chapter called, um, jewels brought from bondage, black music and the politics of authenticity. He touches on this idea of, um, silence is not the right word. Um, nor is it mere language. He says the question of racial, racial terror always remains in view when these modernisms are discussed because imaginative proximity to terror is their inaugural experience, right? It's the, it's coming out of the experience of terror that um, leads to certain expressions, certain cultural expressions um, within modernity. This focus is refined somewhat in the progression from slave society into the era of imperialism. And, and here's, I think, where it keys in on what I'm trying to capture. Though they were unspeakable, these terrors were not inexpressible. And... Um, Gilroy says, my aim here is to explore how residual traces of their necessarily painful expression still contribute to historical memories inscribed and incorporated into the volatile core of Afro-Atlantic cultural creation. Right. Um, a little bit later, uh, if you'll just um, allow me to, to uh, quote a little bit more, um, he says, and he has this phrase, the topos, which is like the, the location, the space, the topos of unsayability, unsayability, produced from the slaves' experiences of racial terror and figured repeatedly in 19th century evaluations of slave music, has other implications. It can be used to challenge the privileged conceptions of both language and writing as preeminent expressions of human consciousness. The power and significance of music within the Black Atlantic have grown in inverse proportion to the limited expressive power of language. It's important to remember that the slaves' access to literacy was often denied on pain of death, and only a few cultural opportunities were offered as a surrogate for the other forms of individual autonomy denied by life on, on the plantations and in the barracoons. Music becomes vital at the point at which linguistic and semantic indeterminacy slash polyphony arise amidst the protracted battle between masters, mistresses, and slaves. Uh, sorry, it's so good. I have to keep reading. So profound. Um, this decidedly modern conflict was the product of circumstances where language lost something of its referentiality and its privileged relationship to concepts. Uh, this is, again, Paul Gilroy um, in the Black Atlantic. I think that what um, Kyle Baker does in Nat Turner is there are many scenes in which the language of the of the testimony of the confessions of Nat Turner um, are are 
placed next to the um, images of what's happening, of what's occurring, and that includes the experience of slavery of Nat Turner, um, uh, seeing his um, father run away, of um, experiencing uh, horrors that um, can barely speak about, that I can barely speak about, um, and then of um, what what happens when he leads, uh, inspires, and um, and leads a group of slaves um, in in the revolt and in the violence that occurs. And um, I think Kyle Baker is incredibly canny because Nat Turner has been taken and appropriated and his story retold in so many ways that um, make of him either a hero or villain. Uh, I, I think what comes out of this is that he is um, a human and and in, in ways that I, I don't mean to um, cheapen by association, he is a superhuman in the sense that he is able to draw on tools that um, that transcend the limitations of a person placed in a position um, and um, and whether or not that is good or that is bad um, those words uh, fail um, whether or not this is um, this is revolution and justice or this is um, unspeakable horror or villainy uh, I think Kyle Baker is at is is um, at pains to show that these are human beings um, all around, uh, that there are reasons for um, actions, decisions, movements, impulses, um, and in, you know, I, I think what I, even what I'm trying to do right now is to put words for what is essentially something powerful and necessary in a wordless format. And Paul Gilroy is talking, of course, about music. Um, I think in many ways it is true too of um, of images. Because we live in a, a time now when, um, yes, words are as easy to transport as they've ever been. Um, but also, it's becoming true that images, too, move around in ways that, uh, that they never have before. Uh, and how do we live as human beings with the, um, the movement of these images, with our awareness of not only what's happening in Louisiana or in uh, Dallas, uh, but also in Karachi, um, also in um, in Baghdad, and it becomes um, necessary for us to learn how uh, we maintain and understand our humanity in a world of images when we have been um, always reliant on words. Um, of course, ironic that I'm doing all of this in a podcast. I urge you to um, to read Nat Turner to add it to your list if you're a comics fan who's just sort of, you know, dabbling here. Um, I think I urge you to, I, I, I urge us, I urge myself to continue to bear witness um, insofar as we can, insofar as we can, can do so um, with, um, with, while retaining love in our hearts. Um, I, I urge us to, um, to talk, yes, and to be serious about policy prescriptions and accountability and um, all the legal and moral and community channels that we need to continue actively working within the institutions that we need to work within. Um, but simultaneously, I just want to today um, acknowledge the, the necessary role of art, uh, the necessary role of things that are not boxed by words, things that in fact point out the failure and sometimes the 
um, inauthenticity of words. Um, and, uh, and I want to thank Kyle Baker for giving us a work in comics that, that does that um, so powerfully. All right. Well, um, thank you. Uh, I, um, I, there's a vulnerability for me in talking about this. Uh, it's nothing like the vulnerability that people experience every day. Um, it is um, inconsequential. And, um, and so I would ask that um, if that's a thought for you, that you turn your continue to turn your attention, uh, that we, we continue to turn our attention toward listening to the voices of people as they um, express things that are, in fact, inexpressible. All right, uh, tomorrow is the Saturday Super Friend. Um, I think I'm going to talk about Superman uh, and, and, and his son. <laughs> and um, and uh, thank you for listening. Um, this has been The Paul List. I'm at Tuply at Twitter. Um, and uh, keep reading. Please, keep reading.